Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Mission Win. No, and that is by Philby Scrolling on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Reddy, but my friends call me Spanish, so let's be friends. Welcome to the Hungarian Grand Prix race review. Some people call Hungara Ring Monaco without the walls. Stop doing that. Monaco wishes it was Hungara Ring with walls. No, Hungara Ring is a proper racetrack. I enjoyed my Sunday watching F1 today. That was a brilliant race. I, I like this track. It is a proper racetrack. Clearly, the cars have grown a bit big for it and a big, a bit fast for it. But I always enjoyed the racing here. Sector one, yes, that's the only real opportunity for overtaking. But it is a genuine opportunity for racing and overtaking. You see lots of skill, different lines, and you see racecraft-based battles. And, and I think this is another win for the regulations as well. And I don't care how broken my record sounds. These regulations looked bad because there were too many street tracks up at the front of the calendar. The new regulations aren't perfect, but they are a step in the right direction. This track, more than any we've seen, proves it. This is a good track. The aerodynamics in F1 rendered just a little bit numb, and I think F1 has taken steps towards fixing that aero. If we take a step towards it in Hungara Ring, maybe we take a step towards saving some of the other tracks as well. But it was a fantastic race, and at various times there was five drivers who had a legitimate shot at winning this Grand Prix, and it's been a while since we've seen that. So coming up, we'll discuss, are Mercedes actually back? And is it a little bit too late? 
probably. How good is George Russell? I'll claim that he's among the most aggressive and talented drivers in modern F1. And I'll also claim that he's not quite on Hamilton's level yet. But that's okay. The future is a very long place. We'll ask, is Ferrari fundamentally broken at a management level? That sounds harsh. Good. And we have a lot to unpick in the midfield as well. Did Ocon definitely mess up Alonso's race? Sorry, Matt. And we'll ask, are Ferrari allergic to champagne? We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm joined in the shed by Matt Two Rumpets. Happy birthday, sir. Well, thank you very much. Although it looks to be now a sad one as I'm going to have to devote the rest of my entire life to figuring out how Ferrari got it this wrong at the Hungaro Ring. And in the shed, our race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. Hey, Alex. Hey, Spinners. I've had a drink and I want to rant about Alonso and Stroll. And you may. And joining us from the other side of the whole entire planet, we've got Jonathan Simon. Hey, Johnny. What's going on? I love that race. Proper Grand Prix racing. That's what we love. Lots to unravel. It's a big ball of string. It's very tied up. It's all tangled. Let's unravel it. I like it. Let's unravel that big ball of string. Actually, you you threw me a little bit there, John. What I really wanted to Mm. do is say, let's have a look at where the race is won and lost. Although I do feel like we need a, a big ball of string. We need a big ball of string bumper. That would be very, very good. You've started something there, Jono. I think, actually, let's just start, uh, start with this track in general, Alex. I think a lot of people have referred to this as a, a go-kart track. And, and, and I don't think that's sort of particularly unfair or even an insult. Like We love a good outdoor track. But a lot of times at go-kart tracks, particularly indoor tracks, there's like that one bit where you can really overtake. There's no overtaking opportunity. The rest of the lap is about maximizing and setting yourself up for that one part of the lap. And, and that's what Hungaro Ring is like. But that, that, that isn't necessarily a bad race. I think the reason it's referred to as a go-kart track is just there's no break. You're literally corner into corner into corner into corner. And you've got to breathe deep to actually survive the circuit. Um, again, I know people don't like us talking about iRacing, but it's been the car, it's been the track on iRacing for the F1 this week, and it's breathless just to do 17 laps. Yeah. I to, for them to do 70 laps today is just incredible, um, because it is just so relentless. And especially, oh, okay, it was cooler today than it had been, but if they'd have raced in the temperatures that they were in on Friday, it would have been incredible. Yeah, and I mean, Jono, not just the 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 sort of the skill required being relentless. But all the way from basically the last corner, you're setting yourself up for those opportunities. It's probably half the lap is actually pretty decent racing. Yeah, it is. And the first sector is so interesting because you look at turn two, that that long radius left-hander. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting part about it is the outside is cambered very weirdly. So what happens is a lot of drivers will try and sail around the outside there and you go, oh, they're not going to get the pass done. And then somehow the car just sticks to the road yeah. and, and gets the pass done. So it's a very interesting corner, that turn two, and it really makes it a good overtaking spot, except for Daniel Ricciardo. What I love about that corner is there's just so many different lines you can take. Um, So it is really, really easy to go side by side if you let it happen. Yeah. And, but I mean, I mean, the first example to look at there, Alex, was 
like Russell just absolutely pinning it around the outside of Alonso when he had fresh tyres. So there are options there. Plus, the other thing is that corner is also an error generator. So not only is there multiple lines, it's also somewhere you can pressure someone into a mistake straight after a very similar corner. Sorry, John. And I think... I'll go. So the it, it's a very interesting circuit. I think it's 20 years to the day. Do you remember they used to have an older layout where turn one was a lot closer to the pit exit, so we didn't have a long front straight, and those final couple of corners barely existed in a sense. So it was much worse. It was much more of a go-kart circuit. This is actually the modernized version to help overtaking. And it's uh-huh. still like, but I've heard it's also at Monaco without the walls. You hear a lot of nicknames about this circuit. But the best part about it is, not only that, it's not only the layout that's cool, it's the changing conditions we get here. We get so yes, many races yeah. over the years similar to what we've got today as well. Okay, so I'm going to push back slightly against the Monaco without the walls because it's something that's said to kind of indicate how tight and twisty it is. It's a really, really bad comparison. For a start, it's not a road, so the track isn't like cambered outwards mm. to let rainwater go. It's it's like a racetrack. It's, it's flat or it's positively or negatively cambered but like as a race track is it's got curbing you can race over that you can race and get pushed wide of the walls which means you can challenge and if it goes wrong you can leave the track legally and come back legally saying it's like monaco without the walls it's it's such a weird comparison i just want to i want to bonk it on the head forever and uh, i don't know if i have the power to do that as a podcaster no one's laid out the podcaster's charter. Uh, but what about this race in particular, Matt? Um, I think we, we saw teams at first assuming, I mean, we, we looked at Mike Caulfield tweeting earlier in the day saying overtaking is going to be so hard here that uh, it's going to be a one-stop, two-stop won't work. And then later, after having seen the race, you go, oh, no, no, this is a track where you can overtake and there's high, hard, uh, you know, there's high tyre wear. So I think this race really did offer a lot. If you were a team boss at the start of the race today, where would you have gone with your strategy looking forward? Well, it, it actually, the start of the race, would have been the place to make your important strategy decision and consider that it was cold and consider that there was some rain coming down and there's only one tire you'd really want to be on in those circumstances, and that would be the soft tire, even though it would absolutely put you off of that one stopper you were convinced was going to win you the race. 10 minutes ago. And in fact, we saw that Red Bull made that shift after the reconnaissance laps. They were planning to start on the hards, according to Horner, which I'm not entirely sure I believe. (laughs) But they absolutely decided to start on the softs once the drivers got out on track. Yeah. And uh, and it really did split the field today. So like there was a huge difference between the soft runners. And and again, what have we talked about? We've talked about when Pirelli have got it right to push us into that more two-stop territory like the one-stop just wasn't on today and i think the races are better when it's two slash three but today was almost like it was like a firm two but a, a good that in, in a good way yeah it, it was in a good way i mean essentially what you had is a is a situation well you had a complicated situation but simply put if you made the wrong tire choice at the start of the race if you were on the mediums you had a chance but if you tried the hards you were toast and so if you stuck with pirelli's two compounds, the medium and the soft, that was their quickest way around the track in a two-stop, in a two stop, mm. then, then you were going to do okay as long as you trusted the tires to do the job. And we'll get into it more later. But if you're going to ask where the race was won and lost, it's when they took those tire blankets off, the people on the softs, 
had the decided advantage. Okay, so last season, we were all complaining, and by all, I mean mainly me, saying that we should get rid of this rule that you have to start on the race tyre that you qualified on if you qualified in the top 10. Jono, is this a good change? Of course it is. Look what it gave us today. I mean, that was a prime example of it. You had uh, George Russell going, oh, I'm going to sail away, which he didn't on the softs. You had Ferraris try to do something different. You had the Red Bulls start on the softs to get a good launch because they started back uh, towards the back end of the grid. I think it's a magnificent rule change. I think it was overdue. I think it was something we were calling for, you know, ages ago, five, 10 years ago. We finally got it done. Um, the sport's getting progressive. That's what I love about F1 yeah. the past few years. We're getting a bit more progressive now, which is nice, since Bernie left. <laughs> and there is that dramatic moment, Matt, where we find out you know, what, what, what tyres the, the drivers are starting on. It's a bit less of a thing if, you know, if it's a one-stop, but I think it, it really opens up a lot of intrigue with these, these longer stops. And especially today, when you had Mercedes, for example, who we know can't fire the tyres up, and they split their tyre strategy because one of them has has jumped up to pole. Yeah, I mean, it was a great element. Alex, sorry. I mean, when was the last time we ever saw Mercedes split a strategy? Mm. Uh, I, I don't... Hang on, I can tell you. It was 2015. Sure. It was to se- uh, specifically to separate Rosberg and Hamilton, wasn't it? It's like, yes, we'll have that little bit of a fight at the beginning. Now we'll put them on different tyres so that they separate. I'm talking about beginning of the race. Oh, right. So that's that's what I mean. It's just that case of to have them go so separate. I mean, obviously, because they know they're not ultimate pace fastest car, so they have to try something different. But it was to keep George ahead, and it was to, I guess, extend Lewis into the race a little bit more. Um, But I think Lewis might have wanted to start on those softs, considering where he ended up today, and 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 the fact he got stuck behind Lando. Yeah, well, we're going to get into that a little bit. Yeah, he he expressed as much that that for him he got killed on the medium tire, and that you know obviously the DRS fail in qualifying, meaning him starting for the back. It made sense from Mercedes' point of view to put him on that tire, and it made sense to put Russell on the soft tire because essentially he was about the same speed as the Ferraris on the medium tire. Yeah. Both Ferraris on the medium tire is where you begin to think, "Mm, well, maybe a trick has been missed here. Well, I think Mercedes were thinking, well, let's check our race pace out. Let's see if Russell can extend a a 5, 10 second advantage on Ferraris who are starting on mediums. And he didn't because essentially they had inverse strategies. Lewis was on the soft for the final stint. Uh, George was on the soft for the first stint. But George just didn't make that tire work in the opening stint. I think if he did and he clawed out a good 5, 10 second advantage, I mean, look, I think Verstappen would have still won the race, but he would have been up there for second for sure. So it's just that opening stint for Russell uh, that definitely cost him. Yeah, obviously, Matt um, Russell had full a full petrol tank. Mm. A, a full, yeah, you know, he had he was you know a big heavy car for those those softs. And let's remember that it's the early laps that really give Mercedes the hardest time with regards to lap times, yeah. or at least certainly for Hamilton, as we looked at. So Hamilton would have gotten more usage out of the softs at the end of the race, I think, than Russell did at the beginning. But he did well to extend the stent that far because, for example, Norris absolutely could not all right but before we get too deep we we need to really focus in on the race winner how did max verstappen win this race so to be fair i have been really really full of praise for verstappen and red bull they've got a lot of my thing of the weekend's awards because they have just been absolutely relentless they've got the tactics right after those early DNFs, they've been 
mechanically sound. Verstappen hasn't really put a, a foot wrong or a tyre wrong, aside from that wind-assisted half-spin in Barcelona, I think was the last time we saw him make a real error. So this, by comparison to the rest of the, the Red Bull season, has been a scruffy weekend. But it still looked effortless, and that is slightly disturbing for the rest of the, for the, rest of the grid. Tenth to first for Verstappen. And when you consider that he locked up so he made an error in Q3 that cost him his banker lap and then had that engine issue. And then in the race, he also dropped it. I think lost about 10 seconds and, and they didn't actually have the best overall textbook strategy, yet they still breeze to the front. I think we might have to start be considering that we have underestimated just how good this pre-plank rule enforcement Red Bull is, Matt. Well, I'm 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 going to say that I think you're correct about Red Bull the team, and you're yeah. absolutely correct about the fact that they had reliability issues, but the difference is they weren't race-ending reliability issues. Certainly, I think that uh, Verstappen dropping it um, and doing the 360 after he just gotten round Leclerc was entirely down to the clutch problems they were having. Yeah. I don't think that was driver error. Oh, mo- that was um, multi-21. No, 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 no. Sorry, that was... Fail. What, fail 20. Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, but on, in qualifying, they called it fail 21. If I was yeah. Red Bull, I would, I would not allow fail 21 to exist, <laughs> Jono. That's got to be an engineer. That's got to be an engineer's <laughs> prank. He's gone, I'll do the fail code. <laughs> fail 21. <laughs> Oh, yep. no. Well, uh, 2013, wasn't that the fail 21? Wasn't that the one we had at Multi-21. Multi-21. That's the one. If anyone who hasn't watched Formula One before, uh, you know, the past few years, go look up that race. Very, yeah. very interesting <laughs> drama there. But um, going on what Matt said and, and the advantage Verstappen's having, I think he overtook Leclerc, like, what, two or three times this race? I'm trying to remember how many times uh, I think Verstappen two, overtook yeah. Charles. Um, and also, so I think he lost about five seconds from that spin. The best part about it was he pirouetted and then pointed back in a straight line, which is perfect. You know, if you're going to spin and he was pointing the other way, he might not have won this race. He could have lost a lot of extra time. Yeah. Um, the funniest part I found about all of this is that uh, despite it being a champion's drive, he's up 80 points in the championship. The summer breaks four weeks. Max Verstappen could take a nine-week break, show up in October for the Singapore Grand Prix and still lead the championship. Don't do that. But yes, it is an it's a commanding it's a commanding lead, Alex. You must be delighted. Why would I be delighted? No, I mean listen, it Max has been brilliant this season. I and I can't however much it pains me to say how good Red Bull also have been. Yeah. They haven't messed up pit stops. They have done f- impeccable strategy. I mean, you just never worry about a Red Bull strategy going wrong because it's just always on point. Um and then they've as as as, as thinking about this earlier, they've won all the races they're supposed to win. Yeah. You know, because of the way their car has been on that circuit. And then all the races that Ferrari should have won, Ferrari have either tripped themselves up or Red Bull have just out strategized them. And that's what you've got to do to win championships. And you're seeing a much more relaxed, confident Max Verstappen this year than we ever saw at any point of last year. I think a lot of last year Max looked like a like a deer in the headlights. And this year he's looking like a champion. Um who's just got it all under control, completely calm and collected. What? Uh and is doing and, and is just doing a fantastic job. Alex, some people will argue that he is a champion, so not like a champion. He's driving like the champion he is. He's driving like a champion. 
I said that. Well, I feel, I feel like there was a no, difference. No, 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 no. In you don't inf- put words in my mouth. I, I feel like there was an inflection. <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to click um, the replay oh. button. We're going to put that on social media and let everyone else decide. <laughs> I would, how I that. would say the same thing when you talk about Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, oh, to be fair, his drive today was very Lewis Hamilton-esque. Oh, we'll get to that. Believe me, Van Jean, we are getting to that. Uh, but Matt, uh, Red Bull. Red Bull. Uh, very simply, they followed the prescribed strategy, drove their lap times, and watched everybody else around them just completely get it wrong. Now, I, I know that you're going to give me a hard time about Verstappen passing Leclerc twice, but they were on different tires. And and that was inevitable. I think once Ferrari put Leclerc on the hard tires, he he was he was done like a dinner, even if they didn't know it at the time. But what amazes me about this is, of course, they're relaxed. They're starting tenth. They were like, oh yeah, maybe we'll get third. Yeah. All right, we're driving to make third. Oh, oh look, there goes Ferrari. Oh look, there goes Mercedes. Oh wow. Well, oh, I guess I'm leading the race now. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'll just drive home in first. I have to say, in our WhatsApp chat from two eighteen. I called Max Verstappen could win this race. And oh, that was you... just after and that was just after he'd I think just got past the Alpines and I'm like, "Ooh." Despite the fact he was like 13 14 seconds behind, yeah. it was like he's got a shot here. You absolute maverick, you wildcard Vanjin calling that Max Verstappen in the 2022 pre-rule enforcement Red Bull could cruise to first place. What? That's a real. Who knew that Ferrari would just throw it away with a real daring bet? Uh, Matt, Alex makes a really good point here. The beginning of that race for Verstappen after turn one, because turn one he actually lost a bunch of places. Where he did, he he fell back. He was like five places behind Perez. The seas parted a little bit between turn one and turn two, but everything after that, he was he was decisive. Like he really cut through the pack. And and if you were going to talk about Max winning the race, yeah, Red Bull did the strategy thing right. But those opening laps were critical. He was up to eighth place by lap two. And by lap eight, he was uh, in sixth position and he was only 11 seconds off the lead. And if you look at the amount of damage that the undercut eventually did to his competitors, this was absolutely critical and in fact i would say that after that first pit stop the only real competition he had was leclerc and of course that's ferrari strategy coming to his rescue it then got very hard for leclerc yes very (laughs) hard yeah so i mean i don't know where to go from that except yeah red bull are doing everything they they need to do they are uh, they do have reliability issues. There may be engine penalties coming, but right now when? they're simply when that? When are they? Uh, and when? Do, when's the gearbox penalties? I'm neutral. I'm completely neutral. Uh, last gearbox on Verstappen's car. They put new power units in today, which I think are the third of the season. So they're at their limit right now. And if there are other upgrades, those will be new power units that they'll have to introduce with a penalty. It's more how they're going to perform for the new regulation um because if you believe wild speculative rumors <laughs> perez I, I do. is running perez <laughs> is running a <laughs> uh, a belgium spec car i believe which, all which of would them make it very interesting <laughs> jono uh, look I, I think if they're gonna take the penalty why don't you just take it at belgium it's come back didn't they used to, i think a few people have done that over the years just come back at spa come back at monza take the penalty there overtake people and then it's going to look like oh well you know 
instead of oh your engine blows up before Singapore now you're starting last now you finish end up P8 like it's I think Red Bull's got this season I mean is it too obvious for me to say they got one hand on the trophy we'll see hang on I'll come back to that in a second Matt yeah, I just want to say it was actually incredibly inconvenient for them that they've done so well with their power units because, you know, after Verstappen had the problem yesterday, they mount a new one, whereas Gasly at, at, at the race, you know, they finished uh, Gasly, put a new power unit, had to start from the pit lane. Imagine Max could have started from the pit lane and still been well up into the points today and with a new power unit to boot, except for they'd done too good a job. So they just put a new power unit in and had to start from 10th. Little did they know winning was in the cards. You know, what surprised me as well was how easy it was to overtake today. I remember last yes. year, I remember Lewis yeah. could barely come through the field yeah. and Ocon won the race. I was so surprised by that. No, it's good. I think it's a combination of the regulations. It's a regular uh, combination of also maybe uh, d- different conditions because we used to be it being very hot at Hungara Ring. So I don't know if um, there was a lot of graining on the tyres. Maybe that made a, a difference as well. But I, I'm willing to apportion a good amount of of that overtaking to the regulations. And even though Aston Martin came in with this revolutionary rear wing, um, I don't think people are going to be scrambling to go and copy Aston Martin at the moment. I just want to quickly, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, I just want to talk about the the rumour that Sergio Perez has got this new floor that is, is basically testing the car that Red Bull are going to have to run after Spa to be in line with the new tech, uh, you know, technical regulations. There's been a lot of people coming out to bat hard saying, they asked Perez, oh, have you got the same car? And he said, yes. And, th- and then I've heard people saying, they, have, they haven't had time to develop a new floor since the regulations, uh, since that technical directive. Therefore, Perez can't be running that new floor. I will say that this reminds me an awful lot. I'm not saying which side I believe. This reminds me an awful lot of 2018, 2019 with the Ferrari fuel flow saga people went to bat really really hard defending ferrari when it was obvious that something really dodgy was happening we saw ferrari suddenly lose power and straight line speed and people were insisting to me until they were blue in the face no ferrari are just choosing to run higher downforce and oh and all the ferrari power units they're also choosing to run higher downforce even though it's clearly not doing them any favors i'm just saying that while I'm not buying every rumour, I'm also not going to say it's impossible that there's been a closed door behind the scenes deal where they've discovered something Red Bull are doing and Ferrari are doing and they've said, hey, sort this by France. That was the first one. And that seems to have gone out a little bit. So maybe a little bit more backdoor shenanigans saying, hey, get it sorted by Spa-Francorchamps. And then Ferrari have gone, okay, we will. But Red Bull, they've got one driver they want to win the title they've got another driver they can use for all sorts of things so is it a massive stretch of the imagination that red bull they don't have to change the floor by the way all they have to do is change how the plank interacts with the floor is it really beyond the realms of possibility that there's an agreement where they have to sort it by spa and they're using perez to make sure that it that they're ready for that it would be a reasonable thing to do but they could also then test in Friday practice with that new plank. Sure. I think the issue that I heard, just to just to go back to that real quick, was the main reason it got put off was there's uh, the materials they need to make the plank of were in short supply. So everybody agreed to put it off to spa so there'd be time to make new planks that would meet the new technical directive. All right. Tell you what, 
congratulations, Red Bull. Another victory. I think someone said to me, and I'm not sure if this is exactly right, I think Verstappen can now finish second in every race and win the championship. Um, and that's the first time that has, that has been the case. Matt, uh, sorry, Alex. From the last race, he could have finished second uh, in every single race. Including sprint races and fastest laps. Yeah. Oh, so okay, now, okay, yeah. so now it's even more so. Okay. Well, also, gonna, yeah, I on. think the more interesting one is there is 32 points between Charles Leclerc in second <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton in sixth. Jono. And and how about Sergio Perez is almost second in the championship? How about the fact Verstappen could put his feet up for nine weeks, five extra weeks compared <laughs> to everybody else? Isn't that the most insane part? Has he booked his holiday yet for that next five weeks? Just wow. skip the two races after that. See if somebody else can well, win. Well, Mercedes, if you're listening, that just shows you it's got to be Mercedes one twos from now on. And I think that does bring us to Mercedes, who for the second time in two races have got a double podium. Mercedes are somewhat on fire. They're doing well. And I think in previous races where Mercedes have done well, people have pointed to things like safety cars, virtual safety cars, uh, happenstance that happened to have brought them closer to the leaders, late red flags, whatever. Today, Matt, it does feel like that that Mercedes were were right up there. And I was watching the timing screens like a hawk. And Russell looked competitive, of course. But a lot of the times... A lot of the phases, Lewis Hamilton looked like the fastest driver car combination on track. Uh, yeah, the second stint on the mediums and the last stint on the softs, Lewis was quick. He was very, very quick. He was quicker, in fact, than anyone else. And so quick that he got the fast lap point. So congratulations. And, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because Friday they had brought a bunch of parts tried them and they were just absolutely nowhere and then they figured something out overnight and i don't really know what it is but it was so figured out that uh wolf demanded everyone write down <laughs> everything they'd done that day so they could correlate it and look and see and find find the meaning and the performance that they saw and yeah. if you're mercedes the only thing you're regretting is lewis hamilton not having that final uh. run and qualifying yeah and uh, by the way that is not like a rare engineering thing that is quite good engineering practice like you change a bunch of stuff at once and there's just no way to know exactly what you did so you need to log that for the future any any 90s kids will know this peg game called uh, uh, mastermind where you had to like find the code and people would only tell you how many of the code was correct and how many is in the right place and you had to keep kind of just almost randomly swapping it until things fell into the right place. Well, real-life fault-finding and engineering is very, very similar to that. So I can completely see them see them having found something, having got a good quality result, and then almost just the entire garage going, stop, everyone stand still. All right, Derek's holding a sandwich. What's in that sandwich, Derek? Tuna. Okay, note that down, Derek. Tuna sandwich. But he's right, Alex. They've, they've found something. The, the thing we'll never know is if Lewis had got on the front row alongside George, let's say George was Paul Lewis was second, would they have put them both on the soft tyre? Which probably in the end might not have been the right strategy. So they both might have ended up falling backwards like George did. Um, I'd like to think they might have tried to be a bit more confident if they had both cars on the front of the grid and still gone for the mediums. But if you notice on that first lap, Lewis was not tidy. 
He he had a wobble through turn one. He had a wobble through turn two, um, and he had um, what was it? The Alpines all over him uh, through yeah. the set through the first half of that lap until the uh, virtual the safety car was called virtual safety car was called. And on the strategy too, like the overcut made the difference for Lewis. He seems to make this strategy work. I think mm. the overcut. Now this might be a hot take. I think it's more over. Uh, sorry, underrated compared to the undercut. I think we talk about undercut all the time, but the overcut makes a big difference. And Lewis made that work today. And I think that was great mm. for him. The worst part for George and the other Mercedes was, I feel like they were focused too much on strategy and too much on Ferrari. And because <laughs> Ferrari strategy is bad, it turned George's strategy bad. So it was like, oh, could George have gone for the overcut as well? Who knows? You'll notice in the notes I've put Ferrari last because we've, we've done an awful <laughs> lot of Ferrari chat. But um, quick uh, primer for, for people a little bit new to F1. Undercut is where you come in before your opponent and say you're behind them, you come out with fresh tyres, so there's a lap or two where you're on fresh tyres, they're on old tyres, and you hope that when they come in, you've made up enough time that they're then behind you. Obviously, they've got fresher tyres as well, but overcut in this situation, Jono, is where like you go long, you're, you're probably not going to get the track position because the car in front or around you is going to have that fresh tyre advantage. But I think the hope is that you will have fresher tyres for longer by doing that overcut. And so you lose yeah. as, as little time as you can whilst your opponent has gone in and you're staying out. And that was crucial on the middle stint. I mean, the Aston Martins made it work and, and somehow scored a point as well. Um, brilliant stuff by them. But seriously, Lewis Hamilton, like he just seems to make the overcut work yes. all the time. Yeah. And I think it's about, you need a driver who can conserve rubber, right? Yeah. Well, I think that this is it, Matt. He doesn't, he doesn't use up that first stint tyre. He's always been phenomenal compared to teammates and title rivals in that first in. Uh, he always has been. And in this race, it's fascinating. Uh, Pirelli strategy, I think, was soft, medium, medium was the number one strategy. Russell starting on the softs. Um, but it's the middle stint where we see him responding to Verstappen. Verstappen pits lap 38. Russell and Leclerc both pit lap 39. Hamilton, who started on the mediums and went a bit longer than Russell on his first stop, goes all the way to lap 51 because at that point, Mercedes knew that to meet the regulatory challenge of running two different compounds, they were going to have to get far enough into the race. They could put the softs on and get to the end. But what that meant was that Lewis used all of his medium tires up going fast, whereas for Russell, in his second stint, he cut that a bit short. And the, the same would apply to Leclerc, cutting short his both of his stints really on the medium tire and then choosing the ill-fated hard just to make life oh, worse God. for him. God, even, even you saying that, Matt, just talking about Ferrari going onto the hard, I have to take a deep breath because I, oh. I know it's coming up later, yeah. but can we just have a moment to go... Yeah, I think we should all raise a glass yeah. to Leclerc's strategic chance of winning the race because that's when it walked out the door, headed <laughs> off to the airport and ordered a pizza waiting for its flight to vacation. Oh, man. Wow. I hope they've got a swimming pool. <laughs> Even look at Mangine with his head in his hands. Don't worry, we're not there yet. We're still talking about Mercedes. Yeah, can I say a little bit more? Yeah. I did right before the show um, is one of the 92 things I was trying to get done before we started. I went and looked at the lap times and I compared Verstappen's lap times in the second stint to Hamilton's lap times. Okay. Hamilton was 
basically yeah. the same speed as Verstappen on that stint, if not occasionally quicker. I'm just saying for everyone who's wondering about where Mercedes is in race pace, yeah, once once they get those tires going, they seem like they're kind of there. And of course, Lewis Hamilton, his results for the last five races have been P3, 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 P2, P2. Only Max has scored more points. Yeah. But still, Max has scored more There's points. Everything. So let's not get carried away. Let's not like damn them with faint praise. Lewis Hamilton had an absolute blinder today, uh, especially compared to where he started in P7. And I, I think I want to come back to that. In fact, no, no. Let, let, let's round off the Lewis Hamilton stuff first because we say he got stuck behind Lando Norris, and he did, but at, at least he was able to get past the Alpines because I had assumed that he was going to be stuck behind some Alpines, some uh, some some McLarens, Jono. So in that context, starting on the mediums was probably pretty smart. Sit behind them, realise that you're going to be stuck, wait for the softs to go off, and, and then do your overcut that you were talking about. Yeah, not only that, but credit to the regulations this year. Like if this was last year, yeah, you might be right. You might have been stuck behind the Alpines and Norris and all these midfield runners, which... He technically sort of was last year. He was stuck behind an Alpine for however many laps, which cost him the win here and, and yeah. gifted Ocon the victory. But um, look, I, I at the end of the day, with, with the Mercedes Strat, they just do this week after week. They have what I call a race car, uh, you know, sort of that Alonso 2012 Ferrari, and it's just always powerful in the race, but just never qualifies as well. I say that, actually, and I take it back because George Russell had pole position. <laughs> so what the hell am I talking about right now? But the thing is, these race cars seem to do really well. And yes. Red Bull has one, Mercedes has one, and Aston Martin has one. Ferrari doesn't have one. And that's a big key that we are, we're going to unravel a little bit later on. So it might sound like a bit of a Hamilton love in here, Matt. But obviously, the DRS issue stopped him having a go yeah. at pole. Yeah. In qualifying, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell are legitimately incredibly close. So it's not unfair to say that could have been a Mercedes 1-2 today. Yeah, but the difference between starting first and second or first and third and first and seventh yes, huge, yeah. looms large. And I think you're absolutely right. And Hamilton himself said after the race that one of the critical moments for him was not being able to get round Norris. Yes. Who, to be fair was also on soft tires. And thankfully for Lewis, yeah. they went kaboom. Okay, quick one here. Was it worth Norris actually fighting Hamilton so hard and fighting so hard in that position? He was always going to lose those positions and he just chewed up his soft tires and his soft tire advantage. Surely, Alex, you've done, you know, you, you've done karting and you know, like, you know when, okay, there's a fast guy coming through who's like eight stone lighter than me. That might be a me-specific problem. But you go, yeah, let them through, and I'll try and like cling on. But there's no point losing time. I don't actually know what Norris was trying to achieve. I think Norris just likes fighting Lewis. <laughs> fair enough. Every single yeah, yeah, time. Fair enough. I mean, Every start, single yeah. time Lewis is behind Norris, yeah. Norris fights tooth and nail, and then waved Max Verstappen bars. <laughs> um, so maybe Norris isn't as big a Lewis Hamilton fan as um, a Brit might yeah, be. I don't but... want to do down racing, Jono, but... You know, the, the overall tactic. You know, Nor Norris also plays to the TV. He is one of those as well. But yeah, wait. look, I'll, I'll quickly say, sorry, quickly, Jeans, is we don't want Paul DeResta 2.0 letting people pass because you're on a one-stop strategy and everyone else is on six stops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's good to see somebody race for once. Stuff it. 
it is good to see people race, and I get it. But going back to what Smanner said about when you've seen someone come through, if this was later in the race, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But this was like yeah, inst- instantly at the very, very start of the race, Lewis was clearly at least half a second a lap quicker. And all you're doing is hurting your own race. So there is a case of fighting um, to hold position for something you think you can be ahead of at the end. And there is fighting for the sake of fighting. Yeah. And I think um, Lando just got a little bit held up in uh, in what he could have done. But the problem for Lewis was after that was yeah. um, he got past. He had some really, really good pace. And then it dropped off and disappeared, which is why Max undercut him by such a massive amount. But Norris's mindset would have been, hey, I was top four on Friday in both sessions. I was second in P2. I had the race pace. Maybe he was testing that out in the opening stint. Oh, maybe my race pace is a little bit better. So maybe I might could maybe I could hold the Mercedes up. Maybe. But there was one telling radio message where they said, what's your pace? Can you push more? And he said, no, I'm absolutely flat out. And I think that's the difference in 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 Formula One in in the Pirelli era, the first stint is very often about managing your tires a lot, and it was very clear that Lando Norris was not managing his tires at all. He said, "No, I'm, I'm I'm completely flat out," and that to me, Matt, is what made it more about the TV and not smart. It's like a goalkeeper taking a comfortable you know, mid-height save and then doing seven somersaults. Yeah, that's great. He looked brilliant for that first stint. But he wasn't doing what the other drivers were doing, which is setting themselves up, thinking about the tyre strategy, when they were going to push, when they were going to stalk. Yeah, he didn't make the minimum window for the first stint on the softs, according to Pirelli. And in fact, uh, I, I know it was it was Verstappen overcutting Lando. He lost so much time on those softs at the end of his stint that, that, that uh, Verstappen came in two laps later and was still significantly ahead. But also, what it what it seemed like today is Lando again was in kind of no man's land for the whole race. Yeah. He was miles behind the top six and miles ahead of everybody else behind him. Maybe he was lonely and just wanted some fun. Maybe he did. And actually, I can't blame that. From an entertainment point of view, that is fantastic. It's very, very hard to tell an F1 driver or any racer, like, don't, don't race. So I'm not kind of bemoaning it. I'm just saying it was a kind of an artificial position that he was holding. To me, it maybe it feels a little bit like a like a glory run, like being aware of reputation. It's like being in the lead because of pit stops and, <laughs> and then holding fighting on. tooth and nail <laughs> to keep for the it, guys that have done their pit stops and yeah, trying to overtake you. It was a little bit it was a little bit like that. But I do want to turn attention to George Russell, who I think really really was on display this weekend. Obviously there was a little bit of not luck, but he looked great against Lewis Hamilton because Lewis Hamilton had that DRS issue. So because he was on his own and not expected to do anything, it looks like he's performed an absolute miracle getting to qualifying. But he has done a very good lap to get onto pole position in qualifying because he's very good at doing a very, very good lap. And it's situations like this that can kind of highlight it and, and show what drivers can do. But I think the other place that he really covered himself in glory was defending very hard against Leclerc. And I think like this situation with Lando Norris, it's not too dissimilar. He was always fighting a little bit of a losing battle against Leclerc. But the way he the way he defended, the way he positioned his car, uh, the way he fought, actually one of those uh, cut across the tracks into turn five was incredibly harsh. And then the way he came back at Alonso 
this was a showcase for what George Russell can do. And the PR game is very, very important. And the career game is important. People around the world so saw images of George Russell fighting up front against title contenders doing incredibly. Alex, this has been a fantastic race for George Russell's stock. Absolutely. I mean... I've been praising George Russell since um, since I saw him in Formula 2. And I've said it from, from day one, the guy is the real deal. And he showed that at the start of the race. Yeah, He got a great start. He didn't buckle under the pressure and mess up the start. He got himself a gap during the virtual safety car. Again, was super clever on how he managed the safety car on the virtual safety car restart. Got a really big lead and just held this 2.6 second gap for a really, really long time until his tyre starts to fade. I was a little bit aghast at the way he defended from Charles Leclerc when, shook, when Leclerc eventually got past because he definitely moved in the braking zone um, and I thought we were about to have an aeroplane right, crash. Right, okay, so th- this actually leads me to what I wanted to say about George Russell and this isn't a judgment on whether this is good or bad, this is a statement of fact and let's see if, if you agree with this Jono, George Russell is as aggressive a driver as there is in Formula 1 the radio silence that's not good for the podcast that oh look he's one of one of i think that i think look on a scale of zero to verstappen 2021 he's not quite the 10 you know verstappen last year was as aggressive as you could ever get in a car but i think verstappen's more aggressive than him but maybe that's changed now maybe you might be right i think maybe um since verstappen won that first world championship he doesn't have that pressure on him (laughs) russell now could be the most aggressive driver but remember look at the difference russell's fighting for a world championship he's got something to prove verstappen doesn't have anything to prove his life sorted basically i think george is very low-key aggressive you don't realize he's aggressive until you really really look into it um but yeah i mean he did not what he he came into the race today thinking he's gonna win absolutely that no other thought crossed his mind than i am disappearing i've got these softs i'm galloping off into the distance and i am winning this race um and then when all of a sudden the ferraris are coming close to him he's like right i just need to keep track position yeah and i need to do everything i can to keep it and if i've got to be ultra aggressive i'm going to be ultra aggressive but Charles Leclerc is also aggressive. Mm. Um, and, and I think they both know what to expect from each other. And it was a fantastic spectacle to watch these guys. And the thing that it just makes me so happy for is the future of F1 is so secure with these guys oh, at the helm. I mean, it's yes. so secure because they're all fantastic racing drivers. They've all mm. got so much speed and they've also got a bucket load of respect for each other. And um, it makes all the difference. So I think some people might be thrown by non-Brits because British people and I think New Yorkers understand British passive aggressiveness, that people might think outside of the UK that George Russell is fully like Mr. Nice Guy, and that's how he presents himself. But I think we need to kind of just dispel that myth, Jono. He is not, you know, a polite, you know, he's not a tea-sipping gentleman who's going to wave you by. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, doesn't it remind you of Daniel Ricciardo's sort of honey badger mentality where he's always laughing, <laughs> yes. smiling, but yeah. he's so super aggressive in the car. I kind of like that mentality. And I think one thing is I, I, I hate when people do this with, with athletes all the time, not just Formula One, is their real personalities is not how they perform sure. on the racetrack, mm-hmm. on the field, on the court, whatever sport you're talking about. It's George Russell can be this professional politician, well-spoken gentleman at for his age on the racetrack, throw all that to the side. I'm here to win. And um, that battle going back to it where you thought there might be an airplane accident. Um, I kind of liked what Leclerc did, sort of just dragged off the brake, tried to get Russell to sort of uh, take a more tight yeah. line. Uh, great racecraft, great battle between both of them. It was right on the limit, um, fair enough. But um, yeah, it was good that no penalties were given. I thought it was still fair. Uh, yeah, Jasper Moran in, in the chat says, because he talks like a gentleman, <laughs> so polished, Verstappen is always blunt, you see yes. it coming. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. I think that attitude mm. off the track makes it a different feeling. Yeah. On the track, and 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 like Jono said with with Danny with Danny Rick, it's the yeah. exact same thing. Danny Rick's this laughy, jokey character. So is Lando. Again, this laughy, jokey character. They both they all have serious bite when it comes to wheel to wheel battling, and I love it. Yeah, well, this goes back even to my days in cycling. And if you want to win, you got to have the mind of a killer. Yeah. And Russell wants to win. He's got the mind of a killer. I, I think most of the top drivers have that ability to stick the knife in when it's time without hesitation. And you can be as nice and gentlemanly and friendly and family guy off the track as you want. The visor goes down. There's only one thought in his mind. So I know we try or we have tried on Mr. Apex to not pit. George Russell against Lewis Hamilton because it's been a very experimental season. There's been lots of stuff going on. But in the last four or five races, or yeah, Lewis Hamilton has has looked to be the fastest driver, just on pace. Norris, uh, sorry, Norris, Russell looked spectacular today, Alex. But perhaps we are seeing peaks and troughs, whereas Hamilton knows where exactly to apply himself in the race. I think this race kind of shows to me still that we have we have a spark of brilliance and something to look forward to with Russell. I really do feel like Hamilton still has the the edge on him, the edge in that Mercedes team. And that isn't an insult to Russell. To say that you look spectacular, but not quite as 
a complete package as the seven-time world champion that is your teammate, that's not an insult, but I think it's the truth. It's that whole thing of there is a very big difference and to be seen between the hotshot, fiery guy with all the talent in the world compared to the guy who's been doing it a really long time, has had his fiery moments, but now is totally confident and comfortable in his own skin and knows what he's knows what he's capable of. He doesn't need to start on the sauce and gallop ahead of everybody else to to win a race. Yeah. He can think his way around it and he knows what he's capable of and he's got that confidence to just sit there and let it ride out. When you've got all these young guns who are just like, power, power, power. <laughs> The time has come, my little friends, to talk of Ferrari and other things. It's not the part of the show I was looking forward to the most, to be honest, because this season Ferrari started with so much promise. This is the first time ever, and I promise you this, first time ever since the 80s, which is before that I was like, you know, a tiny, tiny baby. This is the first time watching F1 that I've looked at Ferrari and I've liked the personalities. I like Mattia Bonotto. I like Charles Leclerc a lot. <laughs> I like Carlos Sainz. He's a talent. He's, he's just ridiculously charismatic and, and the hair. We don't need to go into the hair. We don't, we don't have time. <laughs> it's, it's magnificent. So this is the least ill feeling I've ever had towards Ferrari until the last few races. Now I'm, I'm so angry. The last race I said, you know, it's gone beyond a joke. Now I'm just feeling like they don't want to win races. I, I feel like everyone else is looking at their strategy going, don't do that. Or they're, they're waiting for them to do that Ferrari thing. And the, the switch to the hard tyres today didn't land with surprise. And I think it is the dad thing now. I'm not angry at Ferrari. I'm disappointed and it hurts me. It hurts me that they're not bringing the title challenge that they're supposed to be bringing, Matt. It's a funny thing. You can make a lot of mistakes and still win a race. Started yeah, look at Red Bull. Red Bull did that this weekend. Yes, Max did a 360. <laughs> yeah. You can make a lot of mistakes. And so you could say, well, we can forgive Ferrari being on the medium side of the soft or not splitting strategy. My personal opinion was they pitted Carlos Sainz in such a way that it looked like they were covering the race leaders, even though that crippled him and got Leclerc ahead of him when he exited the pits, which made their life easier and made what they wanted to happen, happen. And what I will say to you is that Leclerc was on track to winning that race until the Spanners rightly points out, they put him on the hard tire. And here's the thing I don't understand. Alpine put mm. those tires on lap 21 and uh. 23, and everybody knew how bad they were. <laughs> yes. And yet, uh. and yet, lap 39 or 40 or whatever it was, they put him on those tires and it killed his race. He was out ahead of Verstappen. If he'd been on that medium tire, he'd have had one less lap in him and he could well have won that race. Instead, they made the most inexplicable decision I think I have seen all season. And killed his race. And that's saying something. Don't you reckon Ferrari spend too much time trying to race other people than just focus on what's the best strategy? I mean, that, that like to, to me today, it was why. Look, if you're going to put him on the hards, which they knew it wasn't going to work, as Trump had said, 
at least go soft, soft. Like they had to go to a different compound, right? So they knew the softs weren't going to work. If you're not going to extend that second stint, go soft, soft, do something different. But to go hards when you have all the evidence there is just absolutely baffling. Um, Look, I, I will say this. I did hear Mattia Bonotto after the race said, hey, our car just wasn't quick. And you know what? Initially, I was like, that's BS. But then I looked into the data and I was like, you know what? It's not, it's not that bad, you know? Yeah, no, I would agree. It certainly wasn't functioning the same way it was on Friday. They did not have that pace advantage, but they did have a tactical and strategic advantage. And Leclerc was fast enough to pass Russell Hmm. when they all pitted, uh, when he pitted like a lap or two later. And so I I think uh, Leclerc in that car was fast enough, given the advantage he had over Verstappen, but the hard tire killed it. Um, and, and yeah, it's tire warm up at the rear axle. That really okay. was what got them because of the track temperature. So but nobody but yeah. me cares. Okay. <laughs> we, we all care. We love your information dump. Never talk about um, uh, fuel efficiency again, though, if that's okay. The, ma- the mailbag episode. Ago. I mean, just that just, was horrific. Uh, the mailbag episode lost 57% <laughs> of our, our download <laughs> audience. As a guy with dyslexia, that was horrible. <laughs> Sorry, no, no, I, no, no, I, no, no. I'm, I, I will hold my hands up and say that was my fault. I could have done a much better job. It was good. It was good information. Narratives exist. That's all we'll say on the subject. But Matt, <laughs> you are an expert entire strategy, and that is yes. honestly, I think in the podcast sphere in F1, name me better people that break down tire strategy and strategy in general than this man, Matt Trumpets. Even though he's had a birthday recently and he's getting super, super old, he's probably got a couple of years left in him. Why didn't Ferrari? <laughs> so, what, Wait, listen, what did you? What are no, you no, 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 no. Oh, Why didn't Ferrari just go yes. a bit longer? Why did they bring? It felt like they made two mistakes. They brought signs in super early when they had the, the they had the mediums to carry on, and I think Hamilton yeah. showed that you could go a bit longer on the mediums, and then they just they brought Leclerc in in no man's land where you couldn't really make the softs last. That's why they went to the hards. But yep. they, there was evidence the hards didn't exist. Why didn't they just go longer on the mediums? From my sofa, that seemed obvious. If you find out the answer to that question, please email me. Right, yes. Matt at missedapex.net. It's, it, it, it is a mystery because, as Hamilton demonstrated, if you used up your medium tires, you used the speed of your medium tires till they were done, and then you put on the sauce at the end, you were, you were quick. There was no reason for Leclerc to have pitted at the same time as Verstappen because Ferrari strategy should have known there was a naturally built offset uh, because Verstappen was on the soft tire first. This is what and Leclerc's John- first stint was longer. And this is what Jono's saying. Jono, this yeah. is what you're saying. That's what I was saying earlier. You're, yeah. you're spending too much time racing against other people than figuring out what's the best strategy for you. And so to me, that ruined their race. You know, why not just run that second stint later? Hey, hey Red Bull, you want to pit earlier? Go for it. We'll stay out. We'll overcut. Hey, pass us, undercut us. That's fine. We'll get you back at the end of the race. But they're too busy going for that. It's the same way science went to, uh, like, what was with that strategy? Was science on the medium pitting pretty much in the same window that the soft runners were pitting in? I didn't understand that at all. They should have stayed out. That felt manufactured, Alex, to to swap the the cars. I don't understand what Ferrari have done this weekend. They have taken the cars from two, three on the grid, it was the fastest car. Russell's lap in qualifying was a freak and uh, incredible. Um, they've taken two and three and made it four oh. and six. But this could have been so. This this oh, race when, when you they say walked, out loud when, when you say when out they loud. when they walked into this race, this should have been an easy one two 
at a canter. Yeah. They, they, okay, George got a great start. Fine. Absolutely mm. no problem. He but wasn't a factor in Ferrari's race. He today. wasn't, but he wasn't a factor in Ferrari's race from the outside. But even in their, all their pre-race interviews, oh, we've got to get past George. George is, you know, George is the, is, is the yeah. one we've got to do. No. They weren't racing George. Yeah. If they just stuck to their pace, they had George beat. They, what the, the biggest mistake they made straight away was Leclerc was visibly faster than Sainz and they didn't switch them. I'm sorry, yep, Carlos. Yep. I love you, but you're not in this championship and your main title rival is back in 10th place. They should have switched that. And then they should have just done the standard normal strategy that was given to you by F1 TV during the race, <laughs> which was either soft, medium, medium or medium, medium, soft. It's not difficult. And they decided to do something crazy and they looked like idiots. Uh, yeah, they did. Um, I'm with Spanners. I th- I think that I think that early pitting of signs was entirely to get Leclerc ahead, yeah. and yeah. I think it worked exactly as intended. And then Leclerc was as fast as Verstappen across the middle stint, and then it's that same inexplicable thing that Chano points out. Why did they pit him there when they knew he had to go longer to use the soft compound, and when they could just look at the Alpine's times and know that that tire was not going to work in those temperatures? That's what I don't understand. Somehow Ferrari thought that hard tire would come on song and be better than the medium at the end. The only other conclusion is they thought that you could give Leclerc a set of sauce and a second a lap advantage, and he was not going to be able to pass Verstappen. And that's also equally hard to believe. So then here's the question, and this is what's going to sum it up. If they had run the perfect strategy, we go back in time in hindsight, and they had done everything perfect, do we think Ferrari would have won this race? I think yes. I think they absolutely <laughs> yep. would have won 100%. this race, and they would have won. Should have oh, been easy going into it. Uh, yeah, I was about to say they should have won. A, oh wait, there's too many races to tick off. We won't do that. But yeah, it should oh. have been a one-two. You're right, Jeansy. There's so many. There's so many races they should have won, and and I don't want to keep like you know sticking the needle in, but uh, then from the hard tire, as as John neeson points out in our live chat hello patrons patreon.com forward slash missed apex to support us and be in our live chat uh john says once you've made the hard time mistake live with it and hope that they come in later was it worth the pit stop last to strap on the the softs at the end yeah he looked good matt when he put the softs on at the end i think only he was hamilton was the only one nearby but yep yeah, lost all which, those places. which made it worse, right? Because like, then you could see how fast he might have been. Yeah. If they just <laughs> if they'd have done that, you're right. If they just done oh, that, it's, it's like bullseye. UK viewers will know this, but look, look at what you could have won. You could have won a speedboat, lad. <laughs> but yeah, and this is like signs just pitting out of the podium positions for. I'm getting. You can see how disappointed I am. <laughs> yeah. I've, ne- I've never seen you guys this frustrated, and so you guys like... aren't getting paid by Ferrari. Not, you guys not, don't support Ferrari. We're not Ferrari this fans. Is... <laughs> yeah, but we're not Ferrari fans. But this was signs pitting out of a podium position for no reason. Killed me last time out, and then here just just strategizing Leclerc out of a race win to be able what P five P six. Where did he finish? I don't care. Don't answer. Alex. I've, I've never wanted... He finished P6. I don't fair. care. I said don't um, answer. I've, I don't care. I've, I've never wanted Ferrari to win a race, <laughs> let alone a championship before. It feels like a Man United fan wanting, a Liver, wanting Liverpool to win the league. All right, calm and down. And it's painful <laughs> because I just want a challenge. You know, listen, Max and Red yeah. Bull are the best car, team, driver Absolutely. combination out there at the moment without a shadow of a doubt. And... 
Max deserves to win this championship, but they could have at least made it difficult. It, it, this is you want more salt in the wound. By the way, we're getting to literally like cayenne pepper on the wound right now. It's that spicy and yeah, bad. But the shortest stint for Leclerc was on the hard tires, and he had three different. No, he had four different stints. He had the medium, the medium, and the soft. And the shortest time he spent on a tire was the most durable tire. Oh my god. Yeah, it hurts. What the ha- I was about oh I was about to <laughs> say something bad there. Yeah. That's bad. I didn't, nah, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that the hard was the least amount. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, well and that's why you're like soft soft. I think he had three used soft slabs. At least he could have done that. It would have been something mm. different. But it's I think Alex, you really did put your finger on it. Is we all want to see a good fight for the championship. And Ferrari have all the tools. They just apparently don't understand how to use them. So right now, Red Bull have just got full control of this championship. And Ferrari are like a big, giant, powerful horse on a lead. And Red Bull are just walking them up to the saloon in the Old West. And they are tying their lead to a plastic chair. And Red Bull are just going, well, I'm tied to that chair. I can't go anywhere. Hot take. Give Mercedes the Ferrari's car, and we've got 2021 all over again. <laughs> yep. That's how yep. close it is. It's bad, isn't it? It's bad, isn't it? But not as bad as Alpine. And in fact, we can just play a full-on, like, general game of whose fault is it. Whose fault is it? <laughs> the biggest whose fault is it in this race was Alonso versus Ocon. And I want to be here straight away. I'm going to look Matt dead in the eyes right now on this Zoom call and say, Ocon was a menace today. Oh, my goodness. Chopping in front of Alonso on the start, finish straight, getting in his way out of, out of the out of the pits uh, so Ricardo could, could get in front of them. What was going on with your boy today, Matt? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, he was a racing driver and trying to finish as far up the track as he could. I watched the onboards. I watched the beginning. Now, here's two things. I'm going to tell you two things. Thing number one is like there was no chopping in front of Alonzo. That just like seriously did not happen. Secondly, more interesting watching Alonzo's on board. I mean, yeah, yeah. Ocon did go, did cover him off. And (laughs) Alonzo did try to come up the inside a little bit into turn one. But you know what I didn't hear? I didn't hear Alonzo immediately after that complaining to anyone on the radio. And so... I think we got very DTS'd oh, by the, the, by the FOM radio players today. But Alonso said, I've never seen a, a worse defense in my life. Was he not talking about Ocon at the start? I have no idea what he was yeah. talking about. All I can tell you is I watched up to the following corner and Alonso had said nothing on the radio to the team at that time. This is, again... The magic Alonso gaslighting the entire F1 universe. Um, because he just bitches and moans and complains. And because he's Alonso, everybody loves it and sucks it up. At the start, at the start, Ocon got an okay start. Alonso, as always, got a good start, and so did Lewis Hamilton. If you are a racing driver on the grid of a, of a race, If you get a bad start, the thing you do is you move to the inside. You move to the inside so no one can dive down the inside of you, and at least you have some room to manipulate your position for turn one. 
Okay, so he wasn't blocking Alonso. He was just defending his position where he was and just putting somewhere where he where he is safe. Yes, okay, Alonso um, Hamilton flew past on the left because because Hamilton got a good start with the pit lane one. He comes out the pits. He stays perpendicular with the line at the side of the circuit because he's been told that Alonso and Daniel Ricciardo are there. He's gone tight to the apex of the first corner, gone a little bit wide, gone a little bit wide as you would do having that kind of entry to the corner. Alonso's alongside him. He's gone to the inside of the corner because he's got cold tyres. He's locked. He's he's lost a little bit of grip. And Daniel Ricciardo has pulled an amazing move and undercut yeah, both of them. It's not move. Ocon's fault. It's not um, Alonso's fault. It's a great move from Daniel Ricciardo and don't take that from him. Well, okay, okay. The start finished on, on lap one off the start line. I hear what you're saying. Yes, cover the inside. That's good. Ocon took up a position which he thought was inside enough. Alonso was about to get his nose in. Ocon very clearly then went even more inside again. So, I mean, Jono, yes. If, if Alonso, this would be more clear, clear cut. If Alonso was alongside, it would be a bit like uh, Schumacher pushing Massa into the wall. It wasn't quite that, but it was, it was really aggressive. To your teammate. No, to your teammate. Was it Barrichello? To yeah, your it was teammate, Jono. Yeah. That's the rough that, that, bit. That's true. And look, if if there was grass there, I think Alonso would have taken to the grass, knowing yeah. him, like he's that type oh, of sure. driver. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, it, it, I think the actual wording of the radio message was something like, you know, I've never seen such defense before, basically insinuating that this guy is defending for his life right now. Alonso is the king of saying stuff in the press <laughs> and the media to make himself stuff. look good, as Jeansy yeah. said. Um, yes, that's one thing. Uh, the one thing I'll say is, though, uh, despite all this and despite people, you know, some people liking Alonso, some people irritating him, uh, I love this Alonso and I miss this Alonso and I'm, I'm thankful Game off the track. <laughs> I'm thankful it's back. Hey, him, I love the him. intensity. You, this is what I miss. I miss everybody. Oh, I look good in the press. I'm calm. I'm classy and everything. Stuff that look as intense as Fernando. I love watching that every week. If Alonso was in the same position as Ocon, he would have done exactly the same, as aggressive, <laughs> if not more so. And he then would have praised himself yeah, yeah, yeah. on how amazing a job he would have he's done. Best that is defense, the type of yeah. person Alonso is. It's the type of thing he does. It is pure <laughs> Alonso gaslighting. And, and he would have finished eighth and said, that was the race victory. I couldn't have driven better. That's it. Yeah, that was me, me, and, the, me and the Verstappen's car would have won by 45 seconds. Well, and this is what I love. Um, so about their finishing positions, well, Perez, Hamilton, Verstappen, they finished exactly where they started with with uh, Alonso having at some point, I guess, made the overtake on Ocon. But as far as the pit stop goes, well, it, Ocon should never have been there. It was an incredibly long stop for him. And that's why he wound up right in the middle of the battle. He had, um, from the pit stop Delta, he had two or three seconds, and they lost it all when he came into the pits. Uh, it wasn't on the front end. It might have been on the rear end. Or if you're a conspiracy theorist, they just tried to hold him as long as possible so that Alonzo could get around him. Mm. It was interesting, Matt, though, that battle that it was sort of, it was pitched as McLaren versus Alpine. Yeah. And I, and I feel like McLaren had the run. Obviously, we know they've got a split with driver performance at the moment. Yeah. But the, it's almost like Alpine had the worst car, but did better. Yeah, because yeah. essentially Alonso and Ocon are about the same speed in qualifying, and they're about the same speed in the race. So they are finishing 
to the maximum potential of the car, whether you squabble over who finishes first or second. If you're looking at it from a team point of view, they are much better about bringing home double points when they have the car to be in the top 10, whereas it's just Norris and McLaren most times. Okay. I feel like we've covered actually most of the the major points in this race, Matt. Can I bring up one more? Is it going to be that Ocon was brilliant in some fantastic way that no one else has noticed? No. I I would like to talk about Aston Martin. Ah, Just for a moment. Actually, that is where I was about to go. That is where I was about to go, to be fair. So take your Aston Martin points. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Sebastian Vettel's announcement. Yes. So I would like to start with the last lap and the last corner at Paul Ricard, where um, I think according to Kyle Power, (laughs) Stroll behaved in in an incredibly rude but still legal manner. I agree. Towards his teammate Vettel. Yes, I, th- I think we had a consensus, to be fair, on the panel, didn't we? Which is, no rules were broken. But I, again, it's the teammate thing, though. Do you yep. do that to your teammate? And you were the one who said this to me, Matt, when we were talking about Rosberg versus Hamilton all those years ago. And I think it was Austria, 2015 or 2016. The fact that made it, the fact that made it so rude was, it's, it's your teammate. And, and, and presumably they go on the plane together, they have uh, ramen noodles at the end of the day together. Yeah. Awkward. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and so we get again to the race and we have a race between Stroll on the soft tires. This is after he hit Ricardo. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, hang wait on a, a minute. Hang on a minute. We have to play the bumper. Whoa. Whose fault is it? <laughs> okay, Matt, describe the incident and we can argue. Okay. So the incident, it could not be simpler. Daniel Ricardo pits with Lance Stroll right behind him. They put hard tires on the McLaren because I'm assuming they why thought not? Yeah, why not? At, at, at lap 46, he would not get the softs in the end. McLaren were having a real hard time with degradation on their tires. Hard time. <laughs> so hard. Behind, Aston Martin puts Stroll on the soft tire. And as they're rolling out of the pits... And they hit the pit exit. Aston clearly tells Stroll, Daniel's on hard tires. Go get him, Tiger. Mm. And so they run down to turn two. And naturally, you know, Stroll has 97 times the grip of Ricardo at this point. So Ricardo turns in. His McLaren doesn't, doesn't. doesn't turn in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and Stroll puts yeah. a massive squeeze. <clears throat> Yeah. on Ricardo that just to the surprise, I mean, who mm. knew physics could cause this result to happen? There's a collision and uh, and and Stroll is immediately taken off the track and Ricardo manages to carry on ahead of him. So I'll go to Alex for this. I feel like ultimately, if if you want your race car to do something and it doesn't do that thing and it not doing that thing results in a crash, then it's your fault for n- for not realizing that your race car could do that thing or asking your race car-, car to do more things than it is actually capable to do. But I was critical of Perez versus Russell, I think at Austria, the Austrian Grand Prix, when you don't account for that. I think I was critical of Verstappen at Silverstone 2021 when you don't account for that. So at what point does the outside car have to have to realize that the inside car might have limitations on what they can do. And and at what point does the inside car just have to just, I don't know, just break and duck out? So technically, yeah. according to the rules, Danny Ricciardo is at fault. 
I agree. However, sometimes you have to think about surviving. And Ricardo being at fault gives absolutely zero benefit to Lance Stroll. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. because yes. because he spun off the circuit. Yep. He probably had damage. It probably affected the rest of his race. Stroll was silly because he cut Danny Rick so tight. He's not stupid. He knows that he's on soft tires and Danny Rick is on very, very cold, wet um, wet tires. Very, very cold, hard tires. (laughs) Wet tires would be entirely different. Very cold, hard tires. May as well have been. The likelihood of him going in deep to that corner and having a lock up or going a bit wide, the percentage chance of that is really, really high. I've had this before with a friend of mine who I used to race with. He was always very, 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 very fast, but he was always in accidents. They were never his fault. It was usually someone up the inside. I I know a guy like that on iRacing, Alex. Crashing crashing into him. And the problem was, was he just never gave any margin for someone to make an error. And you have to give that margin because it doesn't matter if you're shouting each other in the gravel trap about who's fault it was when you had the when you had the ability you know after you hit the wall at yeah. 51g you've had the ability to avoid that crash so non-uk people you need to google a a tv series from the 90s i think called the british empire and it is uh, the same actor it's chris barry who was rimmer in red dwarf an absolutely amazing scene i can't i can't do it justice but basically he ends up in hospital and his defense was that I had the right of way. He was on a zebra crossing with cars speeding towards it. And he's very adamant that, of course, I will step out into speeding traffic because I had the right of way. Doesn't help you because you're in hospital. And I think yep. this is the difference between what is what is the rules and, and where does the blame fall? And what would you as the driver's coach want your driver to do and i think that's where jono stroll might have fallen down here is if you were if you were stroll's coach you might have said open this steering up lads he's got cold hard tires you probably could have you know you could have wall of death it like he's done on the way down to turn three anyway yeah exactly but you could have walled of death it like like russell did against alonso and, and and still made it let me preface this with one thing is that i am like people love butter on their toast, I like bashing Lance Stroll's racecraft. Now, on that note, I will say <laughs> last year I was the. F- I'm going to do an Alonso here because you know what? On the theme of Fernando, I'm going to hype myself up. I was the first person in the world who I think was the person to recognize how bad Lance Stroll is looking at his mirrors when he turns into a corner. Now, in this situation. I think it's very, very harsh to say Stroll, you know, I understand you can always do something different, but I think it's just super, super harsh in this situation. He gave so much space to Danny Rick on the inside. I think Danny Rick had an extra car car's width on the inside of the corner. That's what I think. Okay, don't shake your head, Jeansy. I can see you right now. No, it's it's. give me a sec. So when Ricardo locks up, Fair enough. He should have given a bit more room for error. But also, Lance Stroll is not driving like Max Verstappen on lap one of this race, where Verstappen looked like at that start, he was driving like he had a 100-point lead in the championship, which is what he almost has, right? He was basically trying to avoid collisions. Stroll is going for points. Now, one extra thing I'll add to that. I just realized in the last minute that Lance Stroll was on softs, like you guys said, and Daniel Ricciardo was on hards. 
And now that I figured that out, Lance Troll, what were you doing? You had 15 laps to get yeah, through and you didn't take your time. Oh, I know. It, it's bad. And by the way, I'm, I'm a bit worried that I didn't say the TV series that you should Google. Did I say British Empire? Did I, I did. I did. Okay, yes, good. you did. By the, go and, it's a brilliant series. Go and watch the British Empire. And then Chris Barry is also later in Red Dwarf. Watch all of Red Dwarf up to season six and then, and then burn it and pretend that nothing else existed. But I think it is time... <laughs> to go to the podium. A race that I fantastically enjoyed. The Hungarian Grand Prix provided us with a little bit of everything. I I feel like this was a buffet of Formula One. Was there huge drama? No. Was there some? Yeah, we had a little bit. Did I get full from the drama? No. I was ready for the next course, which was racecraft and battling. There wasn't as much as, say, a Silverstone thriller, but there was enough. There was the go-kart track indoor circuit characteristics where everyone was setting themselves up for that sector one overtake. And that was fantastic. Was I completely full up from the start-finish straight overtaking? Nah, but there was a second course with turn two. It was like a meze. It was like a tapas and a meze combined. I really, really enjoyed today. It was a little bit of everything. There was driver skill. There was intrigue from different teams doing well. There was inter-team battles. This track, these regulations, this weekend just provided me with a full suite of things to feast on in Formula One. And I am sated. So now we move on to the awards. We give out a good thing award and a bad thing award. We get to be super positive. And then from our sofas, we judge people who are really knowledgeable and fantastic about our sport of Formula One. And we just go, ah, yeah, that was a bit rubbish. We allow ourselves this. So let's first go to Jonathan. Simon. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? How you, you going, mate? Okay, so you're in, right. you're in Australia, which is really super far away. Yep. It, look, it's dark over here in this part yeah. of the world. Or is it dark over there yet? Isn't it like 10 o'clock I, I, over there? I'm actually? in a shed, so I actually don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a little bit of a bunker there, are you? Is there... <laughs> yeah, well, um, do you want me to go with good thing of the week? Am I going first? No. Stop. I want to go with things you do. You commentate on stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. At the moment, we are doing the... Uh, what am I doing at the moment? I've got a series tomorrow on Motorsport Australia... Uh, F3 series. That's actually on iRacing, which would be pretty cool. Um, there's like some Asian qualifier series. I'll explain that a little later on on Twitter. You can follow me at Johnny S8. J-O-N-N-Y-E-S-S-8. The other gigs... It's a really bad Twitter handle, so you're going to have to say it slowly. Now, just one quick thing on that. Just Actually, two things. Yeah. I spent, the other day, I'm not kidding, I spent two hours sitting down and I drafted three names I could come up with to change with that were available on all socials. Okay. Finally sat down and went to change one. And after 20 to 30 minutes, I realized that it was one character too long on Twitter, but it would work on Facebook what and Instagram. Would it have been? What so would... I have to keep... Oh, I'm not going to say it because now uh... somebody might register it and steal it. So I'm going to keep it. So what's since your Twitter handle? My... Twitter, that's the thing that most people do. Uh, and, and Facebook. Twitter. J-O-N-N-Y-E-S-S-8. Get me on Instagram too, oh, if you like. That's uh, awful. I like to Thankfully, stuff. Matt puts everyone's links in the show notes. So you can just... Go wherever you are on YouTube or yeah. your app, and you can just click it. Your all your handles are terrible. That's your fault. Um, but Thank you're really you. good at commentating. Will you come and do some of our iRacing commentating with us? 
A hundred percent. I'm always down for it as well. Uh, just depending on, on time zones and stuff at the moment, not to plug, uh, the, the missed apex stuff is great. We're doing the supercar Z series at the moment. So, uh, it'll be on this Wednesday night, Australian yeah. time, which is a Wednesday, I think Wednesday morning. No, if it's British Wednesday time? On a, yep. in Australia, it's like June in british time uh, steve can <laughs> well we... yeah so take note of that if you're international you can watch it on the supercars uh youtube page digital channel steve can we edit cool. out all the the rival i racing stuff so <laughs> Jono, what's your thing of the week my thing of the week i was initially going to give it to uh nicholas latifi uh leading practice three because i've been very harsh on him and i gave him that <laughs> greyhound idea where remember in montreal i said i think sprint weekend let's scrap that and just have latifi start a lap ahead and see if everybody can catch him <laughs> okay but i think that that i want to keep it vettel themed and my thing of the week is vettel not checking out uh since he retired he's still feisty and he didn't give the position back to lance stroll on the final lap uh that's my thing of the weekend well done vettel being ruthless that's what life's about does anyone want to say anything on vettel's retirement alex um considering the guy was the big bad for the majority of his career for me um since he left basically since he left red bull um and after his baku wobble um i've just really taken to like the guy he's a really respectful guy i mean the respect he showed hamilton mm. in the battles in the championship losses and things like that against lewis and just the way he's conducted himself in the in the post ferrari years i i i've gained a much bigger respect mm. for him and I think the guy's got massive things he can do for this sport. I really hope he ends up something to do with Formula One because I, I yes. think he can bring real, yeah. real change to the sport. And it will be s- sad-ish to see him go from a racing point of view, but he hasn't brought much lately, really. No. Um, and I'd rather just see him in a mm. admin role in Formula One and bring real, real change or, to the Or sport. even in a team role. You know, bringing something to the management side of, of uh, a Formula One team. He's, he's got experience. Obviously, he was the F1. Uh, he was the Ferrari chief strategist between 2015 to 2020. So he could reprise that role. It would be very, very interesting to see what Seb would have done if he was in the position that Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz is in and how he would have treated some of the calls that he's had. Because I'm willing to bet money he would not have let them put hard tyre on his car. Mm, that's very interesting. Alex. You, um, I, I mean, I like you. Um, you're as close to a friend as I, I have. Oh, thanks. Generally, I wouldn't invite you to my house because I think inviting people to your house is weird. Because you think I'll do a poo there? That's what it is. Yeah, and uh, and and why not just go to a third location <laughs> where where that kind of thing is dealt with by someone else? That that's that's been my argument. But from a racing point of view, I've I've always really really respected you, and 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 you've brought a lot of your racing knowledge to everything we've done from karting to race analysis to iRacing. And you tried to, you and Brad tried to convince me to move to a different car. And I, I respected that, but our iRacing series is staying with formula with F3. But a lot of the things you guys have said to me have, have struck home. So we are moving to a formula three series in our iRacing cup where we have pit stops, where we have changeable weather, perhaps taking advantage of iRacing's rain feature, and if what? you, like, you yeah, want to take advantage of the weather? Uh, yes, I do want to take advantage wow. of the weather. I know I'm, I'm moving to that. We're going to have racier setups. So if you are an iRacer out there or a sim racer who wants to get involved, message us at i. Hang on, what's our thing? Race control 
at mistapex.net to get involved. We stream that as well. We'll be starting that from September. And I don't know what you think about this, Alex. We're going to have a dedicated oval competition as well. So the fourth race of the night will be an oval race over six months, one race a month. Uh, to be fair, I'm keen to get better at ovals. I've never really <laughs> taken. I've never really taken to taken to having a going yet. Rich, Richard Malden will love it because he has a specific steering wheel for it. What, That's our race. What director. car are you? What car are you using for the ovals? The F3. Uh, it, um, it will be a mix. The F3 will feature. Oh, okay. Uh, it would be no, interesting around the ovals. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never seen the F3 around an oval. That would be very Me interesting. Neither. So, Alex Van Jean, you are at uh, Alex Van Jean on Twitter. On Twitter, on TikTok, on Insta. Yeah. And I've got a YouTube channel too. And I've already sent Matt all the links that so should be in the bio. <laughs> Who was your thing or what was your thing or why was your thing of the weekend? My, my thing of the weekend, I have two, and I will come back to one if Matt doesn't nick it as well, um, is these regulations. I have never seen cars be this close mm. for this length of time around this circuit. As far as I'm concerned, the way they drove today around this track completely and utterly validates the new rules and regulations. You know, forget what they were like at street tracks because they're tosh. But here, at what is a proper race circuit, despite it being a small race circuit, yeah. it was brilliant they can chase and they can hound and the brilliant thing about being able to follow closer rather than having to sit two seconds away while your tires cool down is you can constantly apply pressure and when you constantly apply pressure people make mistakes and we've seen it and it's yeah. just brilliant I, it's just good I, racing. I, I just love it it's just good racing i like the racing i don't like the results so much alex but i love the racing this season no bias like... banners no bias <laughs> But you can get close. You can follow. You can you can do things like let people get into the DRS zone because you want to try and wear their tyres, knowing that they're not necessarily going to breeze by you in DRS. Uh, but if you're attacking, you can keep pushing. Those days of people saying, oh, I got within two seconds and then I had to back off. I had one chance. No one to said that. It's not no one happened. said that. It's good. I like it. Okay, good. Matt, trumpets. Hey, buddy. How you doing? So for the video people need need you to kind of stand up a little bit so okay this is a good incentive right. for people to right. check out the Sorry. video version matt in his gray t-shirt is sweat oh my goodness oh my god there is not uh there's barely a dry patch of your t-shirt i take it new york is pretty hot you... tonight it's a bit warm in here yeah yeah it, it looks like he's it looks like he's doing a podcast from like a wood-fired oven <laughs> what's going on it kind of feels like it too man we i'm landing in jfk on friday so uh, what people here might not know uh, on miss apex podcast is in the summer i do make everyone turn their fans off so we can have the best possible uh best possible audio quality and uh the smart ones of us wear the black miss apex merchandise but Matt, you can be followed at MattPT55 on Twitter. Uh, follow uh, Matt Trumpets on Instagram. Matt, what was your thing or why was your thing or who was your thing or when was your thing of the weekend? Ah, oh, geez, this is such... I'm really, I'm really, I'm really there with this choice. I'm tired of having to choose just a thing. Uh, okay. The simple thing I would want to say Brussels pull up, but you know what I'm going to mm. say? Because I don't say it often enough. Is I'm going to say the first eight laps that Max Verstappen drive, which gave him the victory today. Yeah, he needed a little help from Ferrari strategist. At the end of the day, 
it was it was just flawless. He passed everyone he needed to pass. And it gave him, it opened the doors for the win to come to him. And uh, especially given the fact that he had that clutch problem. And, it, you know, I don't know. It's amazing. He's driving however fast does a 360 spin and then just passes <laughs> a Leclerc again. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get groceries now. I got to say, you know, I, I think he kind of deserves it this time around. He's pretty good. I'm going to give my thing of the weekend to Lando Norris. Yeah, you played a little bit to the cameras, but... He's a frustrated young man. He keeps referencing how his peers are doing well. Yeah, George Russell, he got that pole position. Yes, Leclerc is going off and getting race wins and challenging for for the title. I think he now is feeling like he has not got the equipment to go and show his potential. And every opportunity he gets to show that he's the number one British driver, that he's the number one McLaren driver, that he is a top force in Formula One driving. He will take that opportunity, even when it's not optimal to his strategy. Lando Norris is playing the career game. I criticised it earlier, but F1 is a career game. It's not over a race. It's not over a stint. It's not over a season. It's over a decade or two, if you can manage it. Alex, and, and this is why... You've got to take a deep breath and go, is this lad, is he playing to the media? Yeah, of course he is. Lando is my second favourite driver in Formula One. Um, I adore the guy. I love him on and off the track. And he has made everybody believe that Daniel Ricciardo isn't a good racing driver. <laughs> That's, That's how good a job yeah. that Lando Norris is doing. Because I, I'm a, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo is number three for me. And... I still believe he's got it. He showed he's got it the yeah. way he overtook two Alpines in one corner. He showed he's still got it when he won at Monza last year. Yeah. But that's how good Lando yeah. is. And Lando, yeah. Lando deserves to be in a title contention car. The, the and greats, it, and McLaren can't give the him greats make good drivers look ordinary. Kovalainen, Bottas, Alonso. <laughs> Alonso. Controversial. Well, Johnny. <laughs> what, Chainsy, who's your favorite driver? It's, is it Alonso? Perez. It's been Perez for. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's Lewis Hamilton. And listen, <laughs> I, to be fair, he was going to be my other thing of the weekend because he showed that the old dog still has tricks, um, that he can still pull off. The fact that he was miles behind at one point mm. and he still only finished eight seconds behind Max yeah, today good. was just testament to how great that driver is. Lewis Hamilton's brilliant at race cars. He no, really is. No, I don't think that's, uh, that's not too controversial. Okay, that's all our things of the weekend. Now we get to judge people from our sofas and sheds and say, who <laughs> missed the apex? Oh, no, you missed the apex. All right, let's be all negative and stuff. Who's up for it? Hands up, hands up, hands up. Who's got a missed apex? Jono, let's go. Well, I, I was going to keep a Vettel theme, but I, like uh, trumpets, that shirt needs some intermediates or something, mate, because that is <laughs> that's a hot, that's a hot, uh, hot day over there. Um, and I'm in my hoodie right now yeah, for those watching exactly. on on the video. So podcast you're in Australia, right probably a lot yes, hotter in your winter. <laughs> what is the temperature there, John? I have to know. I, at the moment, it says it's seven degrees, which is surprising. It's only six a.m. <laughs> Yeah, there last night I think it was like zero degrees in the morning. So that's like a hot winter's morning right now for us. Yeah. Okay. Look, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing the weather report. We're doing the Mistake yeah. oh. Award. John. Oh, yeah, my bad. Okay, here we go. So bad thing. Let's keep it Vettel themed. Uh is that he's retiring. Uh I, I'm gonna miss him. He's one of my 
favorite drivers. I had a trio of favorite drivers growing up. It was Vettel, Alonso, Hamilton. Um, two of them, well, all three of them look like they could be gone they in the next old. few years. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, that's, yeah, that that's pretty sad to me. Vettel, who just quickly, because we're going to cover this in a future podcast for sure, but who had a career where he won a race in a car that had no business winning four championships. One race in the uh, lap the, or whatever. Okay. Yes, yes. And then his career just took pretty much wasn't the same after Canada 2019 when he switched those pit boards because he just, yeah, it just hasn't been the same since that race. But um, it, that's my thing of the weekend. I'm going to miss him. All right. Interesting. Okay, good. Uh, Alex, Van Jean. Mattia Bonotto's denial. Oh, two weeks in a row. <laughs> Sorry. Um, do you know what, Alex? I'm too old and ugly to be gaslit. <laughs> I was gaslit by Stefano Dominicali, by Jean Tot. I will not have it anymore. I'm too old and ugly to be gaslit by Ferrari team principals. He's in denial. The fact that he can say they didn't have the pace today is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. They were. It looked like they were managing when they were behind George and they could have gone faster. Leclerc, 100%, could have gone at least three, four tenths of a second a lap quicker, and I believe that. Um, and, yeah, and the... There isn't really. Oh, we've got to have a little bit of a debrief. A little bit. You have to go and kick stuff over, throw chairs across the room, yeah. and and hang the guy who's doing the strategy out the window by his by his Whoa, ankles. I think you went too far. I, I think that's too far. I would like to. That is Alex Van Jean. Metaphorically, no. Not physically, the way it sounded like endorsing physical violence, and I have to stamp that out right now. But yeah, I, I just I. I I don't know what it is. I feel like they've gone from this team that completely instruct their drivers on what to do to now wanting to be friends with the fans and not tell their drivers what to do. Yeah. And they're now lost. They need to go back to the dark side Ferrari that none of us liked where they can actually start winning again, you know? Um, but unfortunately the three main protagonists to who helped Ferrari be as good as they were back in the early noughties can't be in there anymore. I'll tell you what it is. They have spent too long in the wilderness and they have forgotten how to develop a winning strategy. They constantly look at the wrong people. They constantly make the wrong assessments. They don't pick up contextual information quickly enough and they haven't figured out how to ask the drivers for what they need to make the best decisions for everyone. And we're seeing evidence of that race after race after race. They've got a great car. Mm. And I'm not going to disbelieve Bonato. I think I think they oh. were impacted by the weather. They weren't. They didn't have the advantage today they had on Friday. But at the end of the day, it's still no excuse. Leclerc had enough pace to win this race, and it was absolutely on them that they didn't hoover up that information mid race and make use of it. Their nearest competitor was tenth. The nearest competitor was 10th. And I mean, he's only, what was he, seventh by, by the end of lap one? It's not mm, like, eight. it's not like all of us, yeah, eighth. It's not like lap all two. of a sudden he was in the top Giant. four after, after a couple of laps. They had all the time in the world to capitalize and have an easy walk home one, two. You know, what people don't realize is that Bernardo was the chief technical officer of Ferrari from 2016 to 2019. Yeah. Now, why is that? Why am I mentioning that? Because he's the person as a chief technical officer who needs to make sure the car is safe fast, reliable, and legal. He approved an engine that had a secret deal that wasn't even legal. Alleged. And so, yeah, alleged. Yeah, again, I don't want to mm. speculate because who knows what that alleged deal was. So this was the man in that position who's done that. 
Now he's taken over the team. Um, look, I think he's done a good job with bringing the team to this stage, and I don't want to trash him too yeah. much because, yeah, the car wasn't in, in the perfect conditions for him today, uh, but they got a they got a lot of pressure on, on well, them at the moment. On, hang on, hang on, hang on. For legal reasons, we have to say that Bonotto has allegedly taken over the team. Yes, so, yes, Jono, yes. who missed the apex for you? Um... Didn't I already answer this? Oh, I don't know. Wasn't that the Vettel thing? Oh, no. No, it was it, Trumpets. Sorry, Trumpets is next. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So this is a bit in the weeds, but this is only as part of my uh, show preparation. I watched the Stroll Vettel interchange about the place. And if anything really missed the apex, and if you have access to onboards, you can go listen to Stroll's reaction to discovering he's not getting his place back. Because <laughs> it was oh, not pretty. Oh, he was not very happy in the slightest. And in the team's defense, Vettel was well inside DRS on Ocon, which is why they sent him forward to see if he could catch him. And he did. And he was finished maybe a tenth or two behind him at the end of the race. So it was completely fair of the team. I don't think Vettel or his, uh, I don't think Stroller's engineer knew it. So fair enough. I'm sure once he knew that, he retracts all his comments but oh my it was hilarious to listen to fantastic thanks guys so much for for tuning into our hungarian grand prix race review it is a grand prix that that i've always loved because yes you know yeah a lot of it is just sitting behind a car but it hasn't been as bad for overtaking as people have made out to be and if these new regulations can unlock tracks like the hungaro ring then perhaps you know the nurburgring Grand Prix circuit might be good. Perhaps Arkenheim might be unlocked with, with this uh, this regulation set as well. We don't have to get rid of Spa, surely. I think we can acknowledge that the F1 cars have outgrown tracks and F1 is making a concerted effort to make sure that the cars can still race around these historic and fantastic and proper European Grand Prix tracks which makes me positive, which makes me happy. I've enjoyed my Sunday. I hope you've enjoyed our race review as well. There's several ways that you can interact with us more. Obviously, we would love you to support us on Patreon. That is what keeps us going. Me, Matt and Chris all benefit from having freelance hours paid for by Miss Apex Podcast. And that is partly due to people who are not too annoyed by listening to adverts, but also by people who will support us. So if you think we are worth $1.99 a show and if you got to this point in the show maybe we are that's 33 cents 33 cents a show patreon.com forward slash missed apex see what tiers are available join us in our slack group uh, get extra silly and worse content in our patreon only pods and uh, and there it would just be nice more than anything so patreon.com forward slash missed apex if you want to race with us on sim racing email race control mistapex.net if you want to come karting with us there's two seats left for september 3rd obviously people do drop out so there might be opportunities later but now would be the time email me spanners at mistapex.net or go to mistapexpodcast.com forward slash mistapex sorry forward slash karting now it's a bit up in the air what we're doing for the next few shows but is a summer break i think we're going to do a quiz matt are you involved Mm. in the quiz um sure i know almost nothing so it's always entertaining you to and me, to me always do the worst in the quiz. Yeah, i know <laughs> kyle smashes it Jono, you're gonna do uh you're gonna be here for the first yeah. time for a quiz 
my first ever map quiz, Mr. Yeah, Apex. I've yeah, never yeah. done it before. No, and Catman is a great quiz master. Alex, are you in? No, I think I'm. You're doing it in a couple of weeks, aren't you? I think I'm in. I think it's my way. It might be next week. And also, well. if Kyle's doing it, I'm definitely not doing it. Kyle wins <laughs> every time. Why? Why are you not doing Kyle v Brad again? Because that's always entertaining. Kyle, Kyle has an earpiece in. Someone Google's the answers for him. <laughs> Maybe, but if you want to, you know, you know, test your knowledge against our quiz master, I think we're going to do that in the next week or so. Uh, we've got a great magazine show lined up for the 14th as well, and I think you know we're going to do a magazine show that has a segment covering the retirement of Sebastian Vettel and looking back on his career as well. So yes, there's no racing for the next few weeks, but Mr. Apex Podcast will be putting out content all through the summer and some patron-only content as well. But wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Mr. Apex Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.